Let's open our Bibles this morning to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5. I'm so glad that the Bible, even though it's an old book, it's not an outdated book. Amen? Amen. And uh, there is nothing more up to date than your King James Bible. And uh, God, God's Word, you say, how can that be? A book that was written so long ago, how could it still be up to date? How could it still be relevant today? Yesterday's newspaper isn't even up to date, right? You kids are wondering, what's a newspaper? Um, how can God's Word be, still be relevant? How can it still be up to date? Well, the answer is, it's alive, the Word of God is alive. There's no other book like it. You say, what do you mean it is alive? Well, the Bible says that His Word liveth and abideth forever. And uh, I love that, of course, I'm a King James man. I'm a King James man. And uh, there's a reason why, there's lots of reasons why, I'll give you one. Just in that phrase, liveth and abideth forever. Um, that ETH, well, that's old English. Uh, people say, we don't need that anymore. That ETH is very important. If it just said lives and abides, um, there could be an end to it. But liveth, that ETH means it's going to live on and on and on in perpetuity. And uh, perpetuity, I think that's how you say that, yeah. Um, so uh, this book that we call the Bible, um, is alive because uh, it is God's Word. It's not the words of men. It's the Word of God. And uh, we need the Word of God. Now, as I look at uh, this passage this morning in Isaiah chapter 5, I am reminded of just how relevant the Bible is, how there are, there's nothing new under the sun. What has been will be again. And as we read our text this morning, I think you'll see what I'm talking about. Isaiah chapter 5. And uh, if you're able, stand with me. We'll begin reading in verse number 8. And we're going to read down through verse number 23. I'll read fast. And if uh, during the course of my reading, if you find you, you need to sit down, please, please do so. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 8. Woe unto them that join house to house, that lay field to field, till there be no place, that they may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. In mine ears, said the Lord of hosts, of a truth many houses shall be desolate, even great and fair, without inhabitant. Yea, ten acres of vineyard shall yield one bath, and the seed of an homer shall yield an ephah. Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink, that continue until night, till wine inflame them. And the harp and the viol and tabret and pipe and wine are in their feasts, but they regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider the operation of his hands." Therefore my people are gone in cap into captivity because they have no knowledge 
and their honorable men are famished, and their multitude dried up with thirst. Therefore hell hath enlarged herself, and opened her mouth without measure, and their glory, and their multitude, and their pomp, and he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. And the mean man shall be brought down, and the mighty man shall be humbled, and the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled. But the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment, and God that is holy shall be sanctified in righteousness. Then shall the lambs feed after their manner, and the waste places of the fat ones shall strangers eat. Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity, and sin as it were with a cart rope, that say, Let him make speed, and hasten his work, that we may see it, and let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come, that we may know it. Woe unto them that call evil good, and good evil, that put darkness for light, and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes, and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine, and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward, and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Let's read verse 24 as well. Therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble, and the flame consumeth the chaff, so their root shall be as rottenness, and their blossom shall go up as dust, because they have cast away the law of the uh, law of hosts, law, the law of the Lord of hosts, and despise the word of the Holy One of Israel. I want to preach on these six woes this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day you've given us. Thank you for your grace and strength. Thank you for providing this tent that we could meet under uh, this week. Lord, we pray that your blessing would be upon us. God, we pray that your spirit would have complete liberty in our hearts in this place this week. God, we need to hear from your word. We need to hear from heaven. We need a visitation from heaven upon us in these days. Lord, we need revival. God, we pray that you would send it to us. Lord, may we be ready as the song we sang. Lord, we're ready. God, I pray that we'd be ready. And one of the reasons, one of the ways that we can be ready is to have our hearts right before you and clean and pure before you. God, I pray that you'd help us to be right with you, that we might be used as instruments to reach a lost and dying world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. This word woe means grief, it means regret, distress, deep suffering from misfortune, affliction, and judgment. I don't know about you, but as I read through those woes and I read the, about the condition of the land uh, in, in Isaiah's time in Israel, I couldn't help but think of our land. And what are the condition of our land in these days? And as we look at these six woes, I believe you'll see uh, the condition uh, of our land. In verse 8, the very first woe, he says, Woe unto them that join house to house, that lay field to field, till there be no place, that they may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. 
and he's talking about the cities. And uh, there's a desolation coming upon the cities. He pronounces in verse 9, he says, In mine ears saith the Lord, or said the Lord of hosts, of a truth, many houses shall be desolate, great and fair, without inhabitant. And what he's saying, he's saying there's a woe upon those who join house to house. And we know that in cities, uh, you don't have much space. There's not much elbow room, right? Uh, there's house joined to house, field joined to field. And uh, there's, uh, there's a greed that is implied here. Uh, the Bible says they're, they're joining house to house, they're laying field to field till there be no place that they may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. He's talking about those who hoard lands and hold, uh, hoard houses and uh, hoard uh, properties, and they're trying to drive out everyone else. And, uh, and uh, that's what's happening in our cities today. By the way, if you haven't been watching the news, and good for you if you haven't, uh, but I'm sure you've heard what's happening. Our cities are becoming desolate. They're becoming desolate. And uh, there's murder and violence going on in the cities. Uh, they're becoming bankrupt. You see that in verse number 10. He said, yea, ten acres of vineyard shall yield one bath. And uh, what he's saying is there's, there's not going to be much yield. There's not going to be much increase. There's not going to be much uh, prosperity. Uh, and the reason being is because there's a woe upon that. What does that mean? There is judgment upon it. And as you read down through these verses, you'll see that this is a result of God's judgment upon the nation of Israel. Why were they being judged? Well, they had spurned the, the way of God. They had turned from the law of God. You see that in verse 24. They have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts, and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. To despise means to have a low opinion of. It means to, uh, to think of it as nothing. It means to hate. And my friend, we're living in, in our nation today, we're living in a culture that hates the word of God. This word that we treasure and we hold dear because there's no other book like it, because it's the word of God, it also acts as a sword. The Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any sword, any two-edged sword, dividing asunder between the soul and the spirit and the joints of the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know why people don't like the word of God? Because it reads them. When they read it, it reads them. I can testify to that. Amen? And uh, this, this book is powerful. It, it's quick. That is, it's alive. It's powerful. It can divide right even between the thoughts and the intents of your heart. It discerns it and it divides it. That is, he gets right down to the nitty gritty, not just of where we live outwardly, but what's going on on the inside. And that's why those who live in sin and enjoy living in sin hate the Word of God. They hate the preaching of the Word of God. And therefore, they hate preachers of the Word of God. They hate those who live according to the Word of God. If you don't believe that, your eyes are closed today, my friend. Just got a notice last night of a church in California. They posted on the door 
The governor's office posted on their door a cease and desist order. They could not meet, and they're under threat of imprisonment and fine if they meet this warning in their church to have church. Come on. In America. I'm pretty sure California is still America. A little shaky ground, but I think it's still America. And the same constitution that, that, uh, that covers us covers them. And yet, that's not the only church. There's many churches today that under the guise of personal, of public health, hello, they're shuttering the church doors. Why aren't they shuttering Walmart? Come on. I'll tell you why. Walmart doesn't convict them of their sin. This is the world in which we live. They've despised the word of the Lord. They've cast away the law of the Lord. And now as a result, I believe God's judgment is falling upon the nation. He said, what is this COVID-19 all about? I believe it's part of God's judgment upon this land. We have earned it. We have earned it. Now here's the thing, Christian. We have to realize that when a nation is judged... And a, and a nation is experiencing the judgment of God, we're going to suffer right along with them. We have to be prepared for that. As a matter of fact, they, they may even put some, put some uh, 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 connect some dots together and say, well, you know what? It's your God that's sending this judgment. And they'd be right about that. And so we can't expect to have an easy way. But this woe upon our land, this woe of the cities, our cities are on fire. Because they've turned against the Lord. Verse 11, it says, Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink, that continue until night, till wine inflame them. The harp and the vial and the tabret, the pipe, the wine, are in their feast, but they regard not the work of the Lord. What's he considering here? What's he uh, saying here in this second woe? He's uh, pronouncing a woe upon the pleasure seekers. Pleasure seekers. They rise up early in the morning. Well, that's good. Well, not for the purpose they want to rise up early in the morning for. They're rising up early in the morning so they can hit the drink. You know, a, a drunkard... It's really bad when they get up early in the morning to hit it. Most of them at least wait till the night or the evening or the afternoon. He's describing here that folks who are so eaten up with bringing gratification and pleasure to their flesh, they rise up early in the morning so they can hit the bottle, so they can chase pleasure. Talks about music here. It talks about wine. It talks about feastings. They have all these uh, uh, entertainment going on, but they regard not the work of the Lord. That is, they don't have any time for God's work. They, they regard it not. That is, they act of it as if it's not even there. They have no regard for God. Verse 13 says they, they've gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. They know it's something amazing. 
an ironic thing in our day. We have more access to knowledge than we've ever had before. And yet we're more ignorant than we've ever been. What does that tell us? That tells us that knowledge without God is ignorance. The Bible says in the last days that they will multiply knowledge and understanding. Well, we're there. Man, you want to know how something works? Just ask Google. Now everybody asks Google for everything and they don't ask God for anything. I heard last night I was talking to the pastor and his wife out here under the tent yesterday afternoon. And uh, they told me about this sign that had been posted on the highway some, at some point in time. In Shaw we trust. Anybody see that sign? You know who Shaw is. He's become popular, famous in these days. Um, that's blasphemy. That's blasphemy. People are willing to trust in a flawed man and won't trust in a perfect God. You say, well, you're talking bad about that man. No, we're all flawed. Come on. I hope this week you're not trusting that I'll bring revival because I can't. I want to have revival, but I can't bring it. God's got to do that. Our trust is in God. People have, they have no knowledge. They've got more access to knowledge, but they don't have the key to knowledge. Because the key to knowledge lies with him. He is knowledge. He is wisdom. He is understanding. And we need him desperately. They have no knowledge. The Bible says their honorable men are famished. You know what that means? Those who are supposed to be in a place of honor are not being honored. The honorable men are famished. You know who's being filled in these days? The fools. You know who's being propped up and elevated today? Hollywood actors who play for a living. And sports figures who play for a living. They're being elevated as people to look up to and to listen to. And their life is just filled with foolishness. How do you believe someone who pretends to be someone else his whole life? For a living. He pretends or she pretends to be someone else for a living. How do you believe them? Their whole life is a lie. Amen. You say you're preaching against Hollywood? You betcha. I want you to be confused on that. And those who are honorable are not given the honor that they deserve. This is the world in which we live. The multitude is dried up with thirst. Now we'll look at verse 14. Therefore, hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure and their glory and their multitude and their pomp and he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. 
know what he's saying? Because fools abound, because those who have no knowledge of God abound, they're away from God, they're away from the truth, and hell is enlarging itself to receive them. Hell is a real place. It's not a figurative place. It's not, it's not a curse word. It's a real place that real sinners are going to, and they are going there justly. God is just and right in sending them there because of their sin. But that's not something we ought to rejoice in. We ought to rejoice that God is righteous, but not that sinners are going to hell. That's why these are woes being pronounced upon them. They're grieving. They're grieving. You know what? As, as a red-blooded American, I know my home church is in Canada. Don't let that confuse you. I am an American. And as a red-blooded, freedom-loving, gun-toting American... It's easy for me to get the spirit of, well, we need to do something about our country. We need to do something. We, we got we to gotta, we gotta somehow change the, the way our country's going. And I do believe that, but it's so easy to do it the wrong way. If we do it the wrong way, we'll have the wrong result. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds. You know what this world needs? It needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, we need more conservatism. Well, no, we need the gospel. Well, we need, we need better laws. No, we need the gospel. Well, we need lower taxes. No, we need the gospel. You know what's amazing to me? All the nations that are so against Christianity, they persecute Christianity, and the church thrives. And the church just continues to grow. And they're not living in good conditions. They're living in hard conditions. But they're mighty through God. And God empowers them and God strengthens them. And they see souls saved. They see lives changed. They see families put back together by the power of God. That's what we need. Our problem didn't start in, in Washington, and it's not going to be fixed in Washington. The problem starts in the heart of men. And that's where the work has to be done, in the heart. And I'm so thankful this morning. I was thinking about it this morning. I'm thankful that I'm not a politician. A lot of people are probably thankful for that. You know why, though? Because if I was a politician, I would have to peddle something that I knew would not work. Say, so what do you mean? Why are politicians so dishonest? Because what, none of them can be real honest. Because anything they do is not going to fix the country. Amen. Now, I have strong political feelings. And I'll share them with you after church if you'd like to hear them. I will tell you this. 
Read between the lines. But you know what? That's not the answer for America. That's not what's going to turn the tide. That's not what's going to fix our problems. It's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that's going to fix this thing. There's a woe upon those who seek after pleasure. And their end is going to be awful. And their end is going to be terrible. There's a lot more here that I could go into. But I believe, I really believe this is where God wants us to just park. There's other woes you can read them. We talk about woe unto them call evil good and good evil. I mean, come on. That's our world today. And when they talk about when they talk about it's right for two men to be together, but wrong for a man and wife to have children, to have more than two children. Come on. Come on, something messed up in our world. But it's not politics that's messed up. It's the heart of man that's messed up. And what that heart needs is the gospel. Now the Bible says that hell hath enlarged herself, opened her mouth, without measure. Without measure. Hell's a real place. And it's sad that so little is mentioned about hell in these days. Because at the end of everything, you're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. It doesn't matter. You say, well, I'm a good person. Well, the Bible says you're not. There's none good. No, not one. Not one. He knows the heart of man. Man wants to argue against that. Every man, the Bible says, every man will declare his own goodness. Boy, isn't that true? Just go on social media. I don't care, saved or lost, doesn't matter. You go on their page and you're going to read about how good they are, all the good stuff they're doing. Every man's going to proclaim his own goodness, but the Bible says there is none good. Well, I'm pretty good. Well, I'm better than my neighbor. And it's amazing, we always compare ourselves to those that we feel we're better than. I'm not as bad as Hitler. Well, that's in the bar high, isn't it? Now, the standard that we're judged upon is not the worst person you know. It's not even the best person you know. The standard we're judged by is Jesus Christ. And so if you're not as good as Jesus, you're not good. And so I think we could all collectively say this morning, we're not good. I'm not good, you're not good, we're not good enough. We can't make the cut. So it's not about being good, it's about being saved. You say, well, I'm, I'm a sinner. I don't think I could be saved. If you're a sinner, that means you qualify to be saved. Jesus said to the Pharisees, He said, I've not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. 
You know what he was saying? And he was kind of saying it tongue-in-cheek, I believe. He was saying, you know what? You're too righteous in your own eyes. I can't save you. Do you know that? If you're too righteous in your eyes, the Lord can't save you. The Pharisees thought they were so good. They thought they were so fine. They thought they were so accepted of God. And God says, you think you're good. You think you're righteous and I can't get through to you. That was my problem growing up in church. Amen. Any church brats here tonight? You grew up in church? Few? Few? Most of you didn't. You, you have no idea the struggle we've, we've gone through. I know a lot of times you say, you have no idea what we went through. And I know that, but you have no idea what we went through. Self-righteousness. Well, I'm good. I go to church. I sing the songs. I know the verses. And I'd have burned in the same hell as Hitler. Amen. There's a woe upon you. Woe upon the pleasure seekers. Woe upon the vain sinners. Verses 18 and 19. Woe upon the, the perverters. We talked about verse 20. Woe on the conceited. Verse 21. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes. Prudent in their own sight. You can't help someone who thinks they know everything already. Two kinds of people you can't help. Those who know they think they know everything already and liars. You can't help a liar. If they won't tell you the truth, you can't help them. Amen. This world is so conceited. And all these woes follow... Israel's rejection of God's tender care for them. In the beginning of chapter 5, there's a parable of a vineyard talked about. I'm not going to take the time to read it, but it talks all about God's, Jehovah's loving care for the nation of Israel. He nurtured them. He watered that vineyard. He protected, he put a wall around that vineyard. He did everything possible to make that vineyard flourish. And it turned on him. Is that not America? We have been so blessed. God has abundantly blessed our land. What more? He says, what more could I do? What more could God do for us? We've turned away from him. These woes are come upon us, but I want to show you this and we'll be done. Watch what happens. There are six woes mentioned here. You get down to the end of chapter 5, and you know what you find in chapter 6? Look in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Now listen, this is the message right here. That was all the rest of that was introduction. The introduction is much longer than the message. 
World's in bad shape? Sure is. Country's turned away from God? Sure has. The judgment of God has fallen upon our land in spades. But you know what? We can still see Him. We can still see Him. We don't have to get focused on all what's going on around us and lose sight of Him. Because even in the midst of their judgment, in the midst of the woes, God showed up. And that's what we're praying this week in the midst of all this trouble and this virus and the pandemic and the wickedness around us and the filth that's filling our land. God will show up. And God will do something great and mighty and supernatural. It's what we need. It's what we need. We desperately need. You know what? You look all through the scripture. You know what you find? We're going we're gonna to finish this tonight, Lord willing. You know what we find all through the scripture? You find the Lord showing himself the mightiest when people are at their worst. When the nation is at its most desperate state. That's when you see God show up. And God do the great and mighty. He told Jeremiah, call unto me. Call unto me and I will answer thee. You ever have somebody never picks up the phone? You call them, call them, they never answer the phone. That's not God. Amen? Call unto me, I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I believe God could fill this tent this week. I believe God could save souls this week. I believe God could show himself mighty on our behalf this week. I believe God could give Christians some victory over sin this week. I believe God could birth a burden in our heart for souls this week. I believe God could help change our priorities this week. Well, I got things planned for this week. I can't really make it out to the means. I got things planned. Change your plans. Change your plans. He said, well, you just think you're important. I'm nothing. He's everything. He's everything. Now, you know what? You know what the, my wife and I, we call, we call these COVID blessings. Here's a COVID blessing for you. Not too much activities going on in the world today. Not much, as much as we're used to. You don't have to worry about taking kids to the ball this week. Amen? Why don't you just determine right now, Lord, we're in a mess, and it's easy to complain about the mess. But instead of complaining about it, let's do something about it. What are we going to do? Well, we can't do anything, but he can do everything. You know what Isaiah did? He got himself in a position to see the Lord. And it required, it took a lot out of him because apparently it required God removing Uzziah. Maybe I'll say a little bit more about that tonight. But God, he may have to take some things out of our lives in order for us to see him more clearly. You know what the, the, the prophet said? 
In wrath, remember mercy. In wrath, remember mercy. There's no doubt this is the judgment of God upon our land. The wrath of God is falling upon us. But our prayer is, Lord, I know we deserve judgment, but will you remember mercy? Will you be merciful to us? Will you show up? Will you speak to hearts? Will you make the changes in our lives that need to be made? Because, Lord, we have no one else to go to. It's not in Shaw we trust. It's not in Trump we trust. It's not in Pastor Richards we trust. It's not in the evangelists we trust. In God we trust. We need him this week. Why don't we just take a little time to seek the Lord. You may want to seek him right there in your chair. You may want to come up here. We've got this nice place here if you want to kneel. At the front, I'll get out of the way. But we need to seek God. We need to seek God. We need to humble ourselves. Heavenly Father, oh Lord, God, I need you. And I know that every person under this tent every person that may be in the building, every person watching online or listening. I don't know all the needs, but I do know one need that we all have. We all need you. God, maybe there's someone here who's unsaved. And Lord, they need you for salvation. God, I pray that they would come to you today that they would place their faith in what Jesus Christ did for them on the cross, in the empty tomb. they turn from their sin and trust Christ as their Savior today. God, I pray for your people. It's so easy for us, Lord, to point the finger at the world and blame the world for the condition that we're in. But God, your word says judgment must begin at the house of God. Lord, how can we expect the world to seek you when we as your people are not seeking you? Oh God, help us. Help us, Lord. Speak to our hearts during this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Take some time to pray. Take some time to seek the Lord.